0: Talking Football with Rob Daniels and Vince Tracy.
1: Talking Football.
0: Very good day, everybody. It's the football podcast, uh, Talking Football, with Rob Daniels and Vince Tracy. Our date is the 27th of July,
1: 2023.
0: Okay, our weather is uh, clammy. It's cloudy. The definition on the mountain isn't bad but it's been one of those sort of clammy nights uh we also had uh, other things going on so not as much sleep as we'd like to get uh, let's get across to rob going due west around about an hour from here and uh, good day to you rob how are you i hope you've slept well because um, it has been hot and clammy again hasn't it
1: Good morning, Vince. come on everybody Yes, I, I had uh, technical problems last night because I changed my telephone for a new one, and uh, everything seemed to go complete. I seemed to lose everything that I had. However, um, the weather this morning—it's very, very sunny. It isn't as muggy. It's not as humid as it has been um, over the last few days. It's it's very hot and it's very sunny, but it the actually it actually feels better um, because we've got sunshine rather than like overcast weather. Um, so yeah, it's it's a nice day down here it's extremely hot but it's it's not as humid and muggy as it has been recently OK,
0: well, that'll do for me because uh, as long as 50% of our podcast is functioning correctly, uh, then we should do reasonably well. OK, Rob, now I'll play your uh, La Liga Roundup, but it's not La Liga today. Uh, we're actually going to have a little look at what's been happening in the, um, in the Ladies' World Cup. So let me just quickly play a jingle for you, which is this one. La Liga Roundup ...with Rob Daniels. Okay, it's uh, not La Liga Roundup, actually. It's Rob Daniels looking at the Women's World Cup. And uh, what's taken your eye since we last spoke? Because uh, the tournament's been going a week now. Um, So, uh, for me... I've got to say, what I liked most of all was watching the Spanish ladies. They seem to have uh, had a couple of good wins. But, of course, it does depend on who you're playing against. Uh, so, what have you picked up from the World Cup?
1: Well, what i picked up so far, Vince, is the standard of football um, is extremely good. Um, I mean, we're talking about the, the Women's World Cup now, so we're talking about the best players in the world, um, not with the sort of women's Premier League, which is um, what we of, often talk about. And some of these um, women are absolutely brilliant footballers. I mean, uh, yeah, the the Spanish got a goal the other day, which was absolutely excellent. I mean, um, it's a different game than the men's game, obviously, um, but they are really skillful, a lot of them, and they're all really up for it. And uh, Spain have won the first two matches, as you say. Um, England have won their first match. They're playing again tomorrow. Um, but they are at the top of the group. They're in a group with Denmark, who uh, they love long points um, goal difference. But England are playing again tomorrow. Um, and so far, I've actually quite enjoyed it. I haven't actually watched any of the matches live to um, tomorrow because I can't really find anywhere to watch them. But uh, I've been watching all the uh, roundups and things like that. And uh, yeah, I've, I've been enjoying it
0: right so i probably um have seen more of the games than you have them by the sound of things um although
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well yeah you will have, you will have seen if you've been watching them live
0: uh, well the, the problem as ever is that you've really got to be very very aware of the fact that um you know everything takes a, more of your time and of course uh, if you're like me and you see more than just a game of football uh, then obviously you're going to say to yourself, well, you know, I'm not going to spend all day watching this because, quite frankly, um, when we get nearer the uh, the latter stages, I'll take more of an interest. But as you did highlight, the games that I've seen, I've seen some very, very uh, nice football. Um, I have to be honest, I also look around some of the other advertising coming in on the British systems, and um quite honestly it's the american oversell again you know by all means it is the world cup so um i'll keep that uh to the back mm. of my mind and obviously enjoy what we see uh, yeah, yes so for, as for you,
1: me I, it's very similar to the, with the, the men's world cup when they had it in the uh, november and december last year it's like you, you 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 can't drop everything to to watch it can you so uh, it's just like finding out what's going on while it's happening and uh, yeah, so far I've found it uh, very entertaining for what I've seen.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, uh, what about the... I mean, this idea of branding and calling, you know, the... Football team have to be the Lionesses now. I mean, when all said and done, Lionesses uh, would have looked a little bit more predatory uh, from what I could see. I thought the England team looked pretty inept. I mean, apart from uh, the penalty, uh, we would really expect a big performance from them today. So, um, you know, let's hope they do because um, it's Denmark they're playing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That,
1: yeah that's the next match, yeah. And uh, they're. Leaders of the group, even they're on uh, level pegging. So yeah, they're, they're the two leaders of their group, and uh, yeah, I hope they do okay. But there's a lot of decent teams in there. Um, I've been surprised actually at some of the uh, nations that you don't really think about football that much, and they they're all they're all really top level footballers.
0: Well, I've got to quickly uh, put a marker down and say when I was teaching the ladies to play football down at Cornwall College in the year two, uh, just round about uh, just before 2000, um, you know, uh, I was treated almost like a heretic getting the girls playing football. Um, Whereas these days, of course, there, there should never have been any reason why the girls don't play football. I mean, the only sort of thing that I would always be a little bit more aware of is obviously if uh, they get a ball uh, flat out on the chest uh, whereas if a guy gets the same ball coming at him it shouldn't really have the same implications but uh, you know maybe I'm looking for the wrong things let let the girls enjoy the games um, and let the crowds do what they do there they seem to behave a lot better don't they
1: well, um, they, they do actually. There's there, there's no hooliganism, as far as I can see, uh, or as far as I've seen, at least um, anywhere throughout the world in the women's game, um, which is something uh, a slightly ugly thing, which we'll talk about later on. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it, it 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 seems to be played in a good spirit, um, and they do have a lot of followers, especially amongst youngsters. So uh, I, yeah, I think this is probably. Um, a good thing for uh, football in general, and also because they're playing it in Australia and New Zealand, which are both very civilized countries. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's all very well organised, and the host nations is, are really putting on a good show. And so far, I'll say from what I've seen, Vince, I'm enjoying it.
0: Uh, latest score in. Um... Portugal against Vietnam is Portugal are 2-0 up and they're uh, pressing so uh, I think what we do then we'll just keep it like that until we get a little bit more into the tournament uh, mm. because quite honestly there's so many other things to discuss uh, and basically the next one I want to have a quick look at I'll just set it up is this one here we go. <laughs> OK, so um, the uh, Saudis are busy preparing, or they have prepared a, a bid for Killian mbappe We'll be talking about the Saudi leagues a, a little bit later on. And uh, we're talking about £259 million. Uh, a man who broke the barrier for the million pound footballer is a gentleman called Trevor Francis. And I've sent you um, some details, which I'm sure you've seen anyway. Uh, He's died at the age of 69. So he'll always be remembered as Britain's first a million, one million pound footballer. Um, But there's more to him. So if you look at the article which I sent you and um, let's take him up as a European Cup winner and his prodigious talent appreciated across the world, Uh, where did it take him to?
1: Well, um, it it took him to the end, unfortunately. Now, this is, uh, uh, I was very shocked when I uh, heard this news, as you know, Vince, because I uh, sent you a message as soon as I heard it. Um, But Trevor Francis, yeah, the first million pound football player Transferred from Birmingham City to Nottingham Forest in 1976, something like that. Um, however, he was probably the best forward at, at, at that period in time. And um, yeah, he, he won um, the European Cup with um, Nottingham Forest. He uh, was born in Plymouth, actually, so he had the. That, that's that where you used to live, isn't it? That sort of way. Sort Green of Army. Way.
0: Green Army. For those people who l- listen to our podcast regularly, we throw in, when we can, little bits of the culture, of the mm. uh, the origins of the football in Britain, which is, uh, of course, we both come from England. And uh, basically, Plymouth Argyle is Green Army. And he was born there in 1954. So, um, yeah, his, his dad apparently played semi-professionally. Did you know that?
1: I didn't know that until um, I, I read the uh, obituaries and things like that, Because, um, but he did have that kind of accent, didn't he? He, he spoke with that kind of uh, lilt, if you like, and sort of really laid-back kind of uh, guy. He, he was always very relaxed on the pitch, or he seemed to be. Yeah. But he was one of my childhood heroes, if, uh, if you he call them heroes, um, because that, we did not bother we about the transfer fee or anything like that, but when I was a kid... Trevor Francis was like uh, the, one of the best players that uh, we'd ever seen. And he was really, really quick. I mean he was very fast on his feet. And he was very, very skillful. And he played for England 52 times. So when I was growing up, Trevor Francis was like a household name. Um, but yeah, that, that if you go through the list of statistics in his career, um, he really uh, he really did sort of break barriers. One of the things that uh, I I could remember slightly that wasn't, it only cropped up again when uh, he actually passed away, is that he went um, on loan to um, a a team in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. And and he played uh, 19 matches and scored 22 goals, um, which is still a record um, in the states matches played and goals scored he actually scored more goals than matches he played which was the first record he broke but then when he the transfer barrier and things like that I mean he was he was the man of the moment then and um, I, I, I was very shocked and very upset well yeah upset really because uh, when he died however I think he went very quickly had a heart attack in Marbella um, and and he had heart problems for a long time now i don't know what that was related to but he had a heart attack a suspected heart attack in 2012 and uh, so he must have had sort of health problems issues since then and uh, it's very sad to see him gone But uh, yeah if if any of the listeners haven't heard of trevor francis he's not particularly well known in spain because he never played well he never played in spain except in the 82 world cup in the england team But he he played all over the place, and um, he's well worth looking at because there's some of the goals that he scored. Um, There's one that he scored against Queen's Park Rangers um, when he was playing for uh, Birmingham City still. And it is one of the best goals you're ever going to see. He he takes on two defenders who are trying to keep him out of the box, and he he just shoots low really quickly, and he takes the goalkeeper completely and um. Well, the goalkeeper has no idea that the ball's coming near him or anything like that. He just goes straight in the back. It's one of the best goals you ever
0: to seen. Let me go back to the early days because uh, when he went, uh, obviously he, he he was down in the West Country. He was playing for Devon Schoolboys. He'd already scored a stack of goals and shown that he was well worth um, you know looking at. And he became an apprentice for Birmingham City. Now we talk about his speed. And he used to take his spikes to the club St. Andrew's ground to run sprints. And obviously, obviously he was dedicated. Uh, I mean, he was uh, one of these uh, lads that went in as a an apprentice, uh, cleaning uh, other people's boots and uh, had um, sweeping the stands, living in digs with a 10.30pm uh, curfew. You see, it's not like these cosseted, Stars who basically, um, I mean, the, the, some of these people these days are wonderfully skilled players, but they don't really seem to have that sort of discipline that maybe going as an apprentice really would have done. And incidentally, I don't know if you know this, but apparently to make it not the million pounds, <laughs> Brian Clough... Uh, actually, was uh, insisting that the fee was nine hundred
1: and ninety-nine thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine pounds. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah. Brian Clough. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, he was a character as well, wasn't he, Cloughy? But um, yeah, he was grassroots, really, wasn't he? he came from, uh, well, he came from Plymouth, um, and he worked his way up, and he played for Birmingham City before I actually went to Forest. He played 280 matches for uh, Birmingham City before. Um, He went to Forest for that nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine pounds sort of deal, Um, and Brian Clough chose him because at the time Nottingham Forest were uh, were on the European run, weren't they? They were champions of the uh, old First Division, and he fitted in perfectly. And he played for Forest, Um, and so we won a couple of European cups. Yeah, but to put.
0: Rob, just to, to, to give a perspective on this ridiculous mbappe bit. Of uh, so much money. I mean, it's ludicrous money. when the uh, when he was paid this just short of a million pound, which apparently worked out at uh, 1.15 million with the taxes and commissions and everything, uh, I'm reading this by the way, so as you'd expect me to to, to not remember that that particular detail. Um, basically, um, it, it, it's really that the British record up till that time, was only just over uh, 516,000 pounds which is half a million so he must have been absolutely uh, wonderful for the for the fee to to be lifted from a half a million to 1 million but much as i admire him as a person much as I admire him as a, um, he's just been a great professional and a, a lovely guy that went into management. Uh, wasn't the best manager in the world, but did, did, did do pretty well. Um, I think the point still remains that you've got to put some sort of a perspective on what's going on. Because this money at the time to go to a million pounds was mind blow in it really was and i think the problem is that too many people who are looking at today's money are not remembering that we've gone stupidly out of out of a kilter with this money i mean you know i've predicted whether or not it'll come to pass uh, that at some time in the future we are definitely going to have some world shattering uh, event Um, which is going to uh, stop all this, because otherwise it's like any economic bubble. It can't go on. I mean, I thought we were getting near it when you've got the likes of mbappe can't at the moment uh, find another club in Europe to pay his wages. Haaland is well on the cusp. Mo Salah is on the cusp. Anybody asking that sort of weekly money, um, they're going to uh, eventually get near breaking the clubs if the structure for paying people which is not through the turnstiles let's get this right it's going through oil money now and this business of trying to pay Mabapi the fee that we're listening uh, uh, t- talking about is nothing to do with ordinary money so it's got to be more than just money hasn't it
1: oh yes there's definitely something more behind it Vince um and as, you, as you've been saying for many, many years now, and uh, I've been saying, I hope you're wrong, Vince, I hope you're wrong, and I think you hope you're wrong as well, but I don't think you are. Uh, you might not be exactly right, but you've uh, you you, 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 you investigated these kind of things. There's definitely something quite sinister going on behind the scenes, and it's not just football, it's the whole world. But as we talk about football as our specialist subject, um, it, it, it's happening everywhere, isn't it? There's uh, something sinister going on behind the scenes um but yeah let, let's just uh we're about pharaoh francis he, he was only 69 when he died that uh he had a he had a great life he, he was married to the same woman from 1974 until she died in 2017 unfortunately
0: so we are uh, picking it up again because we had a little technical hitch uh we've been discussing uh the gentleman who Uh, Sadly, has now died. His name, uh, Trevor Francis, a Britain's first million pound footballer. Um, Just a lovely man. And I think uh, because of technical difficulties, etc., we'll go on to our next talking point. So let me just get a little bit of music going so I can just organise my papers. One second and here we come. Uh, Right. So. okay okay, if you're still around, Rob, let me just um point you in the direction of a BBC interview um have you got that um story that I sent you?
1: are you there Rob uh, y- yes, hello Vince. can you hear me?
0: Yes, I've got you back okay
1: ah ah good yeah um yes um i I did get the uh, information you sent me. Um, but I already saw it myself, and I uh, I think I contacted you, but you already knew. Mm-hmm. Now, this is um, about the Women's World Cup, but it's the BBC um, supposed journalist who, when they were interviewing the uh, the captain of the Moroccan team, who is a woman called uh, Gizem Chebaka. Um, I don't know if that's pronounced right, but uh, that's what she's called. And instead of talk, asking about the football, he said um, th- via the translator, he said in English, and, he, and she had a translator. He said something like, "Homosexuality is illegal in your country, isn't it? Are any of your team members gay? And what kind of question is that to ask at um, a women's World Cup when you should be talking about the football? And they all, everyone knows, homosexuality is illegal in certain countries." And they can face five years in prison just for being homosexual. But to ask her if any of her team members were gay, I mean, I don't know how you see this, Vince, but I just saw that as extremely poor journalism.
0: Well, um, you've got the uh, FIFA press conference moderator uh, who interrupted, sorry, this is a very political question, so we'll just stick to questions relating to football. And the journalist was unrepentant Uh, saying, no, it's not political, it's about people, it's got nothing to do with politics. Please let her answer the question. You see, if somebody says, no, it's political, it's about people, it's got nothing to do with politics, the two uh, don't sit together comfortably in the same sentence. You know, uh, politics is about power, and it's about the power of people over other people. So we've got a mixture going on here. Um, There is something which really uh, should be addressed and unfortunately you've got people like um, Gary Lineker who has been getting away with uh, making football become far more political. I try to observe the politics that are going on around football and via our podcast, which the remit of our podcast is to try and understand what's going on. Um, we're not a mainstream uh, broadcaster allegedly looking at the games and then interviewing the players afterwards. Now, um, if they were having some sort of uh, chat show later, I still think, really, um, it's an area which is very difficult to talk about. I think that uh, to talk about anybody's sexuality on a camera doesn't really show an awful lot of um, class, if I'm honest. I I feel that, realistically, those are for certain types of chat shows, um, and we do know that, for example, when Cliff Richard uh, was asked uh, certain questions, when he was being pursued... Um, by um, the guy that's on in the morning on the TV, Um, I think he answered it very well. He said, I don't want to answer questions like that. Now, I think if this girl uh, from Morocco had said, um, look, you know, I don't feel I can make a comment about that, that's when I believe the professional journalist has got to back off and say, To his or herself, I think it was a lady, the journalist. um, Mm, There was, yeah. Yeah, I think they've got to say, uh, you know, I've got to respect your wishes in this, Matt. You see, what I think people are forgetting, uh, although we use to take a photograph and we give an interview... Uh, The two aren't totally uh, as congruous as maybe people would like it to be. In other words, they don't really uh, always want to give you a photograph. You do normally take a photograph, and so many people take it without permission. But if you're in a tournament and you know that the press are going to interview, then yes, I think you are likely to face certainly picture-taking, video-taking, that sort of thing. When you uh, agree to uh, an interview, normally just after a game, your head isn't in the right place to discuss politics. Not really. Especially if, by saying the wrong thing, you put yourself in danger. That's what I would say about this one. Um, so, any more you'd you, like to add to that?
1: No, um, I think you're exactly right. Vince. This, I think this, this interview is actually before um, Morocco actually played the first match. But, were. she was there to talk about um, the football tournament, she's not a politician, and if she knows some background information about some of the other members of the team she's not going to tell the world because it happens to be illegal in their country, and they might not be they might be, they might not be, but it was a very, very poor journalism I'll say and that's the BBC who um, used to be a worldwide respected uh, broadcaster but um, it's just going it's like scandal right now isn't
0: it well part of what we do is we look for the politics now this journalist is saying it's not political it's about people which tells me totally that she can't be a trained journalist if you don't see that uh you know you're talking about people and the power of a b c or whatever it is um then basically you don't understand that politics is about people so um i think we'll leave that one there because we might have a development on that that we can pick up on again next week and uh, so if it's okay with you permiso as we say in spanish um we'll, uh, we'll move on if that's okay with you fine okay so uh let's go to a brand new bag Okay, so all the uh, following is totally different. So we've cleared our heads and we're looking at Ronaldo. uh, The Ronaldo has talked up the potential of the Saudi Pro League to become one of the top five competitions in the world. And while that is debatable, there is a little doubt that in terms of profile, it is the biggest in the Middle East and Asia. Uh, Europe lost a lot of quality, the Portugal captain said recently. The only one that is one of the best is the Premier League. The Spanish league lost its level. The Portuguese one is not top the German one also lost a lot of quality the USA no the Saudi championship is much better than the USA in one year more and more top players will come to Saudi in a year the Saudi league will overtake the Turkish league and the Dutch league okay so let's um, look at the impact and then discuss the whole thing are uh, the impact on the Middle East and North Africa so uh can you see that headline in the article rob
1: yeah um about the impact on the middle east and north africa yeah, yeah. just pick that up and uh, tell us what's going to happen there right well saudi arabia as we know are trying to make this uh, big super league but uh, the big four saudi arabian teams have taken over uh, the country's public investment fund and they've got so much financial strength that they can basically do anything they want. They've got eighteen t- uh, teams in the top tier. newly expanded from sixteen, and have the ability to uh, rival anybody in the Arab world. And the amount of players and um, coming to the end of the career, but not just at the end of the career. Because we talked about Mbappé being being offered to go there and things like that. Um, Alison Smith from Newcastle, he's been offered to go there, um, and they're owned by Arabs. So. Uh, there might be a back... back, I don't know what might be happening there, but uh, they're trying to get the best players and they've got lots and lots of money and their idea, um, as we spoke about before, and this is a published idea, is to basically take over the world of football and run it all by by international media um, rather than actually people going to see matches. Um,
0: OK. Listen, this is very, very... It's political, so anybody listening to our podcast don't let anybody kid you that this is nothing to do with politics because all the world football at the moment is part of a big political uh, reshuffle. And they're saying that now all 18 teams in their top tier... Uh, Okay, it's expanded from 16. Okay, it sounds very small, but don't forget the Premier League's only 20 teams, but they have the ability to rival any in the Arab world. Well, let's be honest about it. You know, um, if you like camel racing and all that sort of stuff, I don't I'll put my car I, I do actually
1: and you know that I, I like camel racing I think it's really good fun but uh, each to his own well yeah but you don't need a, you don't need a football team to ride a
0: blessed camel do you so I mean we're talking about football and unfortunately the people with the money are the people who have got these camels so we'll be having camel racing round uh, the uh, Newcastle United Stadium before you can stay, say uh, Ahmed uh, uh, Jack Robinson um, former the, rain, the former range and Aston Villa manager Stephen Gerrard, who used to play, of course, as the Liverpool captain, um, has taken over mid-ranking team Etifac, who have been linked with another Liverpool legend, the captain Jordan Henderson, and are ready, uh, reportedly, to make him one of the best players in the world. If they're able to offer a package so attractive that it lures Liverpool's captain from Anfield then it's a stark reality for others in the Middle East and North Africa. Um, now, we've got clubs such as Al-Akhli and Zamalek of Egypt. Have never heard of some of these, by, by the way? I'm, I'll be honest. With 16 continental championships between them. Um, and then they've got uh, Casablanca in Morocco. I mean, they're, they're talking about clubs that I don't think that many people will have heard of. But let's get... Now let's cut to the chase. So, what really is going on here? We've got Killian Mbappé, who, at the moment, the European clubs are going to struggle to pay his wages. The uh, same as Manchester City can only pay the wages of Haaland with Arab money. Let's be honest about it. We're talking about uh, unfair advantage. Anywhere else that this happens in uh, the world, but certainly in the UK, the authorities would be coming down like a ton of bricks. Uh, They'd have the Monopolies Commission and things like this involved. And um, they've been getting away with it in the United United Kingdom because in England in particular, uh, where you've got um, Newcastle suddenly come from nowhere. They don't suddenly come from nowhere with no money. They've come from the camel stadiums, uh, they've come from uh, Arab money, and they've taken over the English pride of the North East. That That's what they're doing. And if you actually look at what really is happening, the Arabs, the Americans are trying it as well, but they haven't got as much money. They are trying their doggone best to take over English and European football. Now, world, world
1: football in general, Vince. Well, yeah, it, but I it's, I it's step it's by step. Football.
0: Yeah, you're right, but it's step by step. I mean, let's be honest about it. If you were to put any of the um, the teams from Arabia up now, they've got some big names. That yes, in Arabia, they'll probably want people to go and see them because they know the names from the television. Uh, from a lot of our perspective, um, we've got a lot more exciting talent. And the talent tends to be coming from either our own academies or often from Africa. And unfortunately, uh, if... Well, I mean, i am not seeing any evidence of many Arab footballers coming into the football leagues. Um, tell me I'm wrong if you think I'm wrong. But I don't see an awful lot of investment in the Arab world, in trying to train their own uh, talent. It's just daylight robbery. Tell me I'm wrong, Rob. Um,
1: I'd like to tell you you're wrong, Vince, but I don't think you are. I mean, uh, Mo Salah, obviously, is from Egypt, but um, he he actually came from um, a very humble background, if you like. Um, And, yeah, I don't think there's any investment in their own players. I mean, in these um, Saudi Arabian teams... I think they've got to have at least two players who were actually born in Saudi Arabia. but um, And they're not bad footballers, to be honest. They've, they've got a long history in football of uh, Saudi Arabia. Um, but what they're trying to do at the moment is they're trying to um, take over the whole world of football because one of the things I think is this 2030 um, scenario, which we're always uh, mentioning, is that if their oil runs out, or or if they aren't allowed to sell any oil, they've got to make some revenue from somewhere, haven't they? So they're planning for the future, and they want to take over the world of football. And um, I, I was very surprised even Gerard went there because, as you say, he's he's going to manage a, a mid-table team, which i would never heard of either. I can't even pronounce it. Um, but um, yeah, that's what they're trying to do, and that is what is happening at the moment. And it looks like. Well, that, 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 is, that is their plan. I don't know if there's a, a contra plan, if you like. I don't know if there's a, a, an idea to stop them from doing it from official levels. Um, so I think we might get away with it, to be honest.
0: Well, look... Um, that was very succinctly put. I think you're totally right on with the battle for the fuel. And, of course, you can read into this also, this electric car nonsense. Um, I don't know if you realise, but yesterday, I think it was, a tanker, um, uh, a, a big uh, container ship, sorry, went on fire. And the cause of the fire was an electric car And so that's going to have ramifications as well. So there's so much going on, Rob, um, that you've got to look at the bigger picture. You've got the Americans who basically uh, they uh, are already trying to take over. But I think if the American ladies don't win the World Cup, that will have a a few ramifications as well. It'll be interesting Mm -hmm. to see which ladies club, uh, which ladies football world team, um, which country wins this because... If the Americans don't win it, then they've got to look at the next part of their strategic planning because they've been trying to get in into the men's football on the back of their success with ladies football. The men's football doesn't exist. It really isn't much of a league. And that's identified in that article, which we just read. Uh, but um, the ladies have always been the dominant force. And the ladies are still going for the third world championship. Now, hopefully, if a team like Spain can uh, maybe put a spanner in the works. Um, I don't know about England. They certainly aren't the power. But hang, having said that, maybe I should hang on till we've played today's today's games. But there's far more to what's going on than just the football. So, I think it's right to discuss it. I think it's wise to also look at why you've got the Liverpool captain and Henderson and, of course, everybody lose. They use their own contacts. Well, Henderson's not really playing at his top form. Uh, Steven Gerrard hasn't really shown that he's the man to take over the top football clubs yet. So, I would imagine their strategy will to take the money and run because i can't see them living over there especially when jordan henderson was busy pontificating to everybody about the lesbian and gay community being badly treated in these countries so he's uh, had a specific u-turn uh, i would, uh, would would imagine sponsored by his bank balance what do you think
1: i think uh, you're right entirely there uh, i mean jordan henderson um, he, well, I, I don't know how he is now, but he used to be a very down-to-earth guy. He's from Doxford Park in Sunderland, which um, is where my sister lives, um, from the same part of Sunderland where my sister lives. And he used to go back and visit his family, and uh, and just he, he didn't play the big uh, the big star or anything like that. Um, but now he looks like he's going to upset the uh, petrolers, doesn't it? He? And um, he's coming to the end of his, his career, but I was surprised. Like, every, every, everything surprises me at the moment in in that part of the world, Vince. I mean, they just offer them a massive wad of money, and um, if you come into the end of your career, um, which John Henderson is still the Liverpool captain, but he is coming to the end of his career, and if he jumps ship, then uh, yeah, it's it's just going to be one after the other, isn't it? Just well, let's try, buy them all.
0: Let, Let's not be uh, over dramatic about this, but let's be honest, also. Uh, For a man to turn around and tell everybody else during the World Cup that we shouldn't uh, maybe be going to the Arab countries to play the, the World Cup. or Words around these sort of context. I can't remember the actual words but I do remember uh, he had his um, LGBTQ laces and he was making statements and then the Liverpool LGBTQ um, XYZ uh, community started uh, getting wind of his move over to there and so they've been sort of pontificating their end of it. Uh, let's be honest about it uh, we're not even sure to totally from a perspective as, as to whether or not maybe the other countries have got it right and England have got it wrong. I mean, you know, th- there's the assumption all the time, isn't there? So, um, I think... Well,
1: uh, his- historically, Vince, uh, if you wouldn't mind me butting in, historically, the way that football has developed um, in England and, all- and throughout the world, it has been like a natural progression, hasn't it? I mean, um, it took off very, very quickly and it went worldwide. Um, but... What's happening now in in Saudi Arabia with this pro-league idea? It's a manufactured idea and they've made it very clear what they they want to do. Um, It's not a secret that this is what they're trying to do and uh, uh, unfortunately I think they might well do it.
0: Well the Chinese tried to do this Mm. and they weren't successful and when you look at the Chinese footballers Uh, Well, we've not seen much evidence of any skilful Chinese footballers. Now, um, I think we'll find the same with the Arabs. And I think that uh, over a certain amount of years, I don't know how many, I think the world will come to realise that unless you play uh, football and train and get your academies right and do the things that have taken a lot of time to build up, then i think it's not quite as easy as what at the moment is being made to look easy if people can see through the veneer of the um sky tv uh, because basically it's the packages which is where we're going to do- make our next link so i'll put a little bit of music on just to clear our minds uh, and then we're going to going to look at packages hey! ah! Let's be honest about it. You know, we've been talking about uh, the football. You've been waxing lyrical earlier about the uh, the ladies' game being wonderful. Um, I've been watching the games and I think some of them haven't been wonderful. I think, quite honestly, um, they've been championship, n- nothing better. Uh, but the Spanish goal, the first goal yesterday, was absolutely top draw. Wonderful. Uh, so, uh, we're looking next at um, one of the biggest sporting brands in the world, Uh, If it fails to realise the commercial potential potential of Murray Earps and her number 11 lionesses shirts. Okay, Um, I've gone a little bit ahead of myself there. We could come back to that one if we have time. Uh, That was a story, we'll we'll, we'll quickly cover it, it's to do with um, the goalkeeper of England not being able to have her shirt available. Um, So we'll go to the packages straight after this one. What did you really make of this business, of her not being able to have her football jersey sold by the big companies. Um, any any thoughts on that one?
1: Well, from what I've seen about this, Vince, which is very little, to be honest, but um, she actually paid, or, or somebody paid, to have shirts printed or with her name on the back um, and sell them privately because there weren't any big investors um who w- wanted to do that and apparently they sold loads and loads uh, i don't know if they made money out of it but it, again it's one of these things that um we have to look into the background of and i haven't uh had a chance to um look too much into the background but yeah she th- she they that they, th- she printed her own uh shirts with the name on the back and that and uh yeah it's, it's one of these curious things that's happening at the moment and uh I'm sure these things are going to continue and we've got lots and lots to speak about all the time, haven't we?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's so curious that I didn't know the name of the England ladies, um goalkeeper. She looks very good. I saw her make quite a good save. Uh, but, I mean, the thing is, until... The England ladies play a little bit better. Um, she might have to be showing her colours a little bit better today. Um, I mean, when all said and done, if you're not a household name, I would imagine there's not that many would want to buy your shirt. But maybe I've got that one wrong. As we go to uh, sports fans might want to think about ditching their Sky TV contract. OK, why would they want to do that? Well, there's an incredible new deal from Virgin Media. So, uh, Richard Branson, as we know, that well-known football fan, um, has come up with some idea to make more money. Now, uh, Richard, of course, has always done quite well. He's been taking uh, planes into space, um, had his record stores. Um, obviously Virgin Airlines and now of course he's going to uh, show us his knowledge of football well money and football so let's talk about uh, the rival brand offering TNT Sports formerly known as BT Sports uh, for free it's M250 uh, Bigger Plus sports package so um, would you tell us about that one?
1: Well, first of all, I would say, Vince, the old uh, adage I was brought up with is never trust a hippie. Um, Richard Branson was supposedly one of these hippies, but to be a hippie, you've got to be wealthy to start off with. Um, But yeah, he built up his um, his, uh, music empire, and then he went into things like outer space in balloons and all this kind of business, and Virgin Airlines and stuff. But yeah, what they're doing is they're competing now um, against... Sky TV and the other um, providers who provide um, football for pay paid, paid purposes, and um, it, it's it, well, it's a it's a dog eat dog situation, isn't it? But if you get the Sky package, and they don't get the Premier League rights, then you've got to go to the Virgin. You've got to pay extra. You've got to pay extra. You've got to pay extra, and. Um, yeah, it's all about the money again, Vince, isn't it? It's all about the money. I don't think Richard Branson... It, I think he's played in a couple of charity matches. Um, but I, I don't. I've never seen him as a football fan, to be honest.
0: OK, well, everything is available to watch in 1080p. High-definition HD on the Virgin TV 360 setup box, or Mm. set-top box. Uh, You'll also get fibre broadband with download speeds of 264 megabytes uh, per second, uh, roughly 3.7 times faster than the average household internet connection in the UK for a limited time. Uh, This deal just costs £65 a month. Now, uh, let's go to what actually happens here in Spain. Because since I've been here, the year year 2000, maybe just before, uh, we we would always be besieged by people who have set up their business uh, uh, over here in Spain selling packages for TV. So, um, you know, know, this is a great package, but... What then happens, we, we have all sorts of little things crop up, like suddenly uh, we can't get the, we'll pay for the package, and then suddenly it's not available in Spain. So they've made the money, and then, you know, it's all changes. Um, but I do feel that um, it, it's, it's this monster football, which I love football, but I'm sick to the back teeth of lots of aspects of football i just want to sit down and watch a good good game football uh you tell me you can't see it i've got a package that really gets me able to see most things um why can't you get your package is there nobody down there to sort you out
1: well uh, the, the very um very few english people or british people that live around here and um so yeah so yeah i don't mix in those kind of circles if you like but I do know that in the north of the Costa Blanca, um, especially sort of Benidorm upwards, then um, they, they used to have these big sky dishes, didn't they? The big one that they used to put on people's roofs and things to pick up the uh, English TV without a license and things. Um, but when you say it's just £65 a month for the Virgin Media deal, just £65 a month. Now, when times are hard like they are at the moment for a lot of families, that is a lot of money, um, if you have to go to food banks and things like that, um, people, some people might pay the £65 to to, for, to watch these football matches rather than actually spend it on food and it's, it's just got a lot of hand, but um, yeah, around yeah, where I live I can go and watch the Premier League when it's on, um, most, a bar just round the corner, a sports bar just round the corner, but I can't watch it at home now. Okay. Uh, except if, except if I watch uh, Rocket Director, which is still going. It's an, it's an online um, sports channel, but uh, it keeps going in and out. It keeps pixelating, and you listen to the commentary in whatever language. Okay. So yeah, but, but no, no, we I, I can't watch English TV um, except on um, the iPlayer, which uh, that they don't put football, do they?
0: Well, look, I think you've hit the nail on the head because based around uh, what happens here in Spain, it's a football-mad country. Uh, uh right down the costas tends to be lots of expats from various other countries. Obviously, the British countries, lots of Germans, lots of Dutch, lots of Belgians. Um, you get French coming down here. Uh, you, you, you get a very international community with lots of Russians as well now and um, Eastern Bloc countries. Um, and they love their football the same as a lot of other people. But as you rightly say it's your priorities i mean how much 64 pounds a month just to watch your football and your sport it's a lot of money isn't it
1: well it is unless um you sort of spread it amongst um, i don't know how many people can actually watch this but uh, does for example which is is, uh, one that uh, transmits the Premier league in spain you can share it between five people so, and it costs 10 euros a month, so it costs you two euros each a month. Um, but if you just buy it for yourself, um, yeah, it's a, it's a big chunk, isn't it? How people's um, normal people's wages, because let's face it, the, the economy isn't going particularly well anywhere, I don't think, at the moment in Europe. And if people, yeah, are prepared to spend that on, on watching football matches on a big screen TV instead of spending it on food for their families. Um, It's their choice, but it's it's not going in the right direction, I don't think, Vince.
0: Okay, well look, let me just quickly tell you another little thought that just crossed my mind. If you've now got the ladies coming into eminence because they never had all this sort of football before, uh, does it not sort of suggest another interference with the family budget and uh, a little bit more um, intolerance and a little bit more dissent from maybe young ladies in the family now because they can't watch their football and all that sort of stuff? It's just a thought that flashed across my mind because, unfortunately, those are the times we live in. So, Rob, uh, Mm. your comment is very valid. The football needs a relevance. It needs the correct place. Um, I'm going to go to a little thing that I spotted. A couple of little things. First of all, Arsenal fans were filmed fighting each other in the stands of the MetLife Stadium on Saturday. Uh, This was during their 2-0 defeat by Manchester United. It's unclear what triggered the incidents, but a large group of Gunners fans began trading blows with one another before two fell onto the, the steps of the terraces. Fresh footage shows minimal event staff or security attempting to break it up in its opening exchanges, but one member of stadium staff does eventually appear um, as tensions start to cool off. Any idea what that was all about?
1: I've got no idea at all, Vince. Um, however, this was Arsenal against uh, Man United, as you say, at the MetLife Stadium, which is it's in the United States, isn't it, somewhere? Because they're they're doing these um, special shows, if you like uh, football shows, um, pre-season things. Why the argy bargy started, I've got no idea, but it does seem that it started between the Arsenal fans themselves, doesn't it? And uh, fortunately, nobody was particularly badly injured. And the the security, as we've spoken about before, uh, on various occasions. The security at these football matches is virtually non-existent. Um, yeah, it took the security there ages to uh, to actually turn up. Now I don't know. Um, I haven't been to the United States. You have, so you know more, more about this than I do. But I don't. Th- I don't think they've got a history of violence, have they? In the in the states, I think they go there to watch it as an entertainment spectacle. Whereas you get uh, English football, for example, um, especially. In the sort of early days, up until uh, well, until fairly recently, up until now, because we've just seen this, um, a lot of it was about violence, and uh, but they, yeah, they they weren't on the ball, if you like to uh, to to get on this. But fortunately, nobody was badly injured. There was a few people who fell down some stairs and had broken noses and things, but there was no, no serious injuries. But the, yeah, you'd expect the security to be to be right on it, wouldn't you? You would do.
0: Okay, uh, then I saw a little video where there was um, the Glentoran, that's uh, an Irish team, striker, Jay Donnelly, uh, is in a penalty shootout. And it was the Europa Conference League qualifier against the United. It was a 1-1 end to the uh, game. And then it ended 14-13 with the penalty shootout. But what was interesting was he took the penalty. The ball hit the goalkeeper and went up in the air. And then it came down and it looked as if it was all over. The goalkeeper ran out to celebrate saving this goal. (laughs) And the ball backspinned into the net. Yeah, and scored a goal. Absolutely amazing. That really was. Uh, uh, it was a good moment for the uh, for the Glentoran team, but a shocking decision by the goalkeeper to uh, do what sometimes goalkeepers do. Now they just get so euphoric they forget they've not, they've got the goal to save. Well, yeah,
1: yeah. Where's the, Where's the ball? Yeah, they, they've got to stop the ball, haven't they? But, okay. Yeah, I mean that was uh, Glentoran. Um, he's an Irish team which I've actually heard of but I don't know anything about. Rob I
0: don't want to um I don't I, you've got 3 minutes quickly tell us a little bit about the uh, fantasy football please.
1: Right Vince well what we are going to do um for next season which starts in 3 weeks time is we're going to start a fantasy football league um it's going to be called uh, Vince uh, Vince and Rob's fa- um talking football. And we're going to do it in uh, in memory of our late colleague Eric Malpas because he started the fantasy football here in Spain, and he did it all by hand. Um, and now it's all um, computerised. We'll keep you up to date with more information, um, and I'm sure that uh, Vince will put on his website. And um, it's quite easy to join. And uh, we, well, we, we'd like as many listeners as possible from all over the world. To uh, join us on this, and uh, that's what we're, that's what one of the projects we've got on the moment on the boil. Is there a cost involved? No, no, no. It's completely free. Vince. Um, and to register. It's completely free. It's very easy um, to register. We could. Uh, how, how long have we got to uh, explain? Because it's very, it's very, it's very easy to register. Two minutes. Off you go. Right. So um, to register. For this, and a lot of a lot of um, the listeners, our listeners would probably already playing this already. But you, all you have to do is register your um, email address so they can send you confirmation, and don't send you spam emails or anything like that. But um, and then basically, you you after two or three questions, um, you're in. They did. They just want you you have to have like a password you can make your own password up and things like that now and then you've got to pick 15 players and you've got 100 million pounds um deposit if you like as the manager and you have to spread that 100 million pounds across your 15 players you two goalkeepers five defenders five midfielders three forwards and it obviously gets uh, it's not complex but that is the basic idea and it's exactly what we've been talking about for years, isn't it? It's everyone starts off on the same level playing field. You've got £100 million, um, pounds, but it's, it, you don't have to pay anything, to spread across your whole team. And uh, it, it, it does become very competitive. And uh, it's very easy for anybody, anywhere in the world, to actually look it up. Um, but it's an official Premier League... Um, Thing that the, the, the last season there were eleven point four million players across the world, and I came about uh, three million and seven and fifty If I get in the top half, if, you, if I get one point more, than you, Winter, you get one point more than me. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, just, just a bit of fun, but also to remember it, because Eric actually put a lot of time into that kind of thing, didn't
0: he? OK, well, uh, we'll develop this idea and put links on my website and then, mm. uh, obviously, put them out to you as soon as things are finalised. Um, as uh, we've just been outlining, it's not to make money, it's to enjoy the football via the podcast.
1: Uh, Rob- yeah, exactly. It's, it's, a bit of, it's a bit of fun, but also the competition. Rob,
0: thanks very much indeed for your company and um, we look forward to the next detail. My pleasure, Vince. Thank you, Rob. Cheers. Don't forget also for Rob's uh, and mine football, fantasy football, uh, you can sponsor your own camel. I am joking.